the Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. Good morning. This is Chris Avon Smith, and this is the Tea Health Show, brought to you by the Tea Clinic, the clinic that helps you with all your. Sexual and other needs, which is always great fun. In studio with me, of course, is Dr. Mark. Good morning, Mark. Morning, Chris. How are you? I'm fit and fabulous, thank you. You know what? I wish everyone could say that. Um, but we're joined by two special guests this morning. We are indeed. Firstly, the, um, fabulous Sister Elise. Elise, welcome back. Um, it's always great to have you. And then we're joined by biokineticist Charles Grief. Charles, you, um, uh, the first time that we have you, we're going to talk about all things electrostimulation and electromuscle stimulation. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much. Good morning. I got really excited when I heard about this. Well, you know what? Um, unfortunately, our fourth guest um, that would have been on the show, and we've been trying to get him here, and he faked COVID to get out of it, is our producer, Dante. Dante, we know that you're still in hospital. Uh, get well soon. We're thinking of you. Uh, we can't wait you to get you back into the studio, and this time we will get you on a mic. 100%. Really, uh, he really did something to try and get out of anything to get out of this. <laughs> Okay, so um, let's let's start immediately. So, Elise, um, you and I work a lot on um, pelvic health, um, and that's um, the idea behind the Renew uh, Clinic that we started just over a year ago now, um, and that was Women and Women's Pelvic Health. So tell us a little bit more about the problems that women face and why we have someone that um, is a biokineticist and specialize in electrotherapy in the studio with us today. Okay, my interest started with this when um, I realized that we're already using electrostimulation for male f- um, dysfunction, pelvic floor dysfunction. And I was thinking maybe there's something that we can do for the ladies. At this stage, we're doing the PRP shot, which helps for um, different things like lubrication, etc., and re- rejuvenation of the vagina. But we don't address the deeper factors that... Um, is the reason or the cause for prolapse or stress urinary incontinence. So, you know what, let's just stop there and then let's go into those two conditions. Um, we know that most women that gave natural childbirth will present with one of these two symptoms at some point in in, in later life after childbirth. So let's start with stress urinary incontinence and differentiate it from normal urinary incontinence. Okay, I think um, we need to go back. It's not only normal childbirth. That's the reason for these types of, types of conditions. It can be genetic. It can also be um, 
women that had cesarean sections, for instance, present with these problems as well. It can be hormone-related. There's different reasons why women do get prolapse or stress urinary incontinence. The other reason, or what is very important for me to stress, is that it is a progressive functional disease. In and by that I mean it starts with a little bit of I'm leaking urine when I when I run, or when I cough, or when I jump with my my grandchildren on the trampoline. Correct. So that is usually the first sign that the disease or the function of the pelvic floor is compromised. And um, if so you are aware of this, you can start early with early interventions and that's why we have Shaul here today to explain to us how electromuscle stimulation can assist or it's not the be all and end all but it starts the process of addressing the problem. Shaul do you want to say something on that? Um, yes I think first and foremost I think it's important to to just mention that um, when we work around being a biokineticist I focus a lot around Electromuscle stimulation around quads, knees, you know, quads, hamstrings, backs, um, all those kind of musculoskeletal injuries. Um, when we talk about the, the female organs and, and, and especially male organs, um, the profession that is needed to deal with this is the physiotherapy market. That falls directly in the scope of practice. Okay, so, Shal, I'm. Uh, Apologies for interjecting, mm. but before we came on air, you explained to us the difference between a biokineticist and a physiotherapist. Yes. And I think um, you guys overlap on many, many uh, levels. Just explain to the listeners out there what is the scope of work from a biokineticist point of view and from a physiotherapist's point of view. Thanks, Doc. I think that's a very important um, question. A biokineticist is typically seen as a hands-off profession. In other words, working with rehabilitation and exercise prescription that should come from a clinical um, assessment where we measure various outcomes, whether this be with EMGs, like in the, the discussion that we're having now. Um, and the physiotherapist EMG? then electromyography. So that goes in conjunction with electromuscle stimulation. Okay, That's the so measurement instead we, of stimulation. If we break those words down, firstly, biokineticist, kineticist meaning movement. So it's Life through movement. Okay. And then electromyo, which myo means muscle, um, EMG, electromyogram. Yeah, that's, yeah, electromyography where, the, where we measure the muscle's activity, the muscle's IQ, how much of the muscle, how much action potential is active within, within the muscle in working or and in. What you've just said is so incredibly important because if you do not use the full muscle, it's the same as not using the full capacity of your brain. Now we know we use very little of our brains, but some people use even less. Yes. So, um, it and that's exactly the same. No, don't smoke. <laughs> um, it's I know those people. <laughs> it's it's again, it's activating a muscle that we use its full potential. And you made another analogy about that, especially for those um, less than. Um, 
intellectually inclined rugby players out there. <laughs> um, you know, state that again, because I think that speaks a hell of a lot to what you guys do and why specifically today you are here. So um, I think if I remember correctly, the statement that I made was that, you know, um, we work, biokineticists work in, work in conditioning of, of, of uh, elite rugby players or elite sportsmen right through to conditioning of frail, frail people, um, you know, People with various neurological outfall, fallouts or MVAs or brain injuries or whatever the case may have been. Oh, you talk a lot in, in acronyms. So MVAs, <laughs> motor, motor vehicle, vehicle accidents. accidents, head injuries and so on. I'm sorry. Um, so we work with a conditioning. So, so what we need to do is obviously after the physiotherapist has relieved the patient and given us the, the authority to go ahead with, with safe rehabilitation and safe conditioning, we can go ahead. What often happens is we've got biomechanical fallouts and biomechanical um, differences. Now, where EMS is especially in, um, important, and I had a discussion with a bunch of rugby players a couple of weeks ago where I said to them, yes, EMS is not going to give you hypertrophy or, or it's larger not make muscles. Your muscle no, it's not going to let you perform on a stage and flex your muscles to this to the world. It's not going to make you squat heavier. But what it will do is it will recruit more muscle to be able to perform the movement that you want to do and that you want to perform essentially on the field or in the gym or in the CrossFit box. Um, to to perform that properly. Now the same happens with with, with pelvic floor things. So, so, if I'm correct, to sum up your analogy, it's getting surrounding muscles, ligaments, proprioception. That's your uh, spatial awareness around this muscle to perform optimally. So that the muscle movement of that specific muscle is enhanced without the muscle itself being bigger or stronger. It's about recruiting every possible uh, modality that you have to improve movement and function. Am I correct? That's correct. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a nice analogy that we use. We can only move from a stable platform. As soon as we've got an unstable platform, it's very difficult to create movement. Oh, that's why I look like that in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, that water bed of <laughs> so if I can have muscle stimulation to activate certain muscle groups or activate muscle contraction, not necessarily contraction is in shortening of muscle but getting muscle stability, it's easy to generate movement from there which gives us the right of way to then create optimal movement patterns and and and, and so various outcomes. in my mind biokineticists work around stabilizing joints yes to optimize movement if if you are saying that everything works in fulcrums in the body um, if we if we think um, your eyes need to be parallel if there's a one of either in the neck, the shoulders, the hips, the knees, or the ankles, if there's an instability, immediately one of these joints will be higher than its opposing side. And 
what you guys then do is basically stabilizing these big joints so that they become parallel again. It's like um, a scale. Uh, Through muscle enhancement. Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. Now, make that relatable to what Elise deals with on a daily basis. So, um, obviously, in the in the in the pelvic health um, environment, we've got skeletal muscle and smooth muscle. And what's the difference between those two? Skeletal muscle, we can go into probably go into a lot of physiology here, but smooth muscle tends to be a muscle that is not contracted to generate muscle. Um, Contraction, in other words, shortening of muscle to get a joint movement. Okay. And so, like to move your arm. That's correct. That, okay. that is not smooth muscle. That is not. That is skeletal muscle. And we going to, and, and this is a very important point that you're making now because with the moment that we move over to what we are doing for males with elect, bioelectrical stimulation, um, we start working on smooth muscle. Yes. Um, so it's we'll, the same we'll, for females. We'll talk about that just now. So um, in skeletal muscle, you've got white type, type of white muscle fiber and red muscle fiber. Your white muscle fiber being your strength, your fast twitch muscle fiber. In other words, you want to stand up from a chair. You need fast twitch muscle fiber. It's not. It doesn't use a lot of oxygen. It doesn't use a lot of ATP. It's short bursts of movement, but it fatigues fast. Then you've got red muscle fiber, your 100-meter athlete that you spoke about earlier. That's under 10 seconds. That's usually white muscle fiber. Our, yes. our endurance athletes is red muscle fiber. That's your 800-meter athlete. Mm. Now, in, in, in proper muscle activity, we need a combination of both. But there are various outcomes that we use to stress this. Now, if you go to gym, you'd know if you want a bench press and you want, a high, you want bigger muscles and stronger muscles, you use a certain weight set and certain outcomes. If you want to, as they use it in gym terms, you want to rip or you want to cut or you want to smooth out the muscle, then you use other resistance with various reps so that the muscle adapts and conditions differently. Now, in, in pelvic health, we sit with exactly the same type of muscles that also need to do these things, but smaller. Now, how do you, how do you gym, or how do you know what a one rep max is of the pelvic floor? And Chris is still doing his giggle exercises, so. I, I tell you, I, I'm gonna have the strongest floor ever. <laughs> Darling, as long as you don't, don't start blowing smoke rings, I'm fine. <laughs> so, what electromuscle stimulation allows us to do is by, by, um, Manipulating the frequency of the current, we can activate either the white muscle fiber or the red muscle fiber to then focus on certain outcomes and have that cross-training effect of skeletal muscle. And the physiotherapists do this very effectively in their rehabilitation internally of the pelvis, um, vaginally or anally, with certain probes so that they can focus on either endurance outcome or strength outcomes or, or, or whatever the case may be. Maybe I can just interject there. I think just for everybody to understand, the pelvic floor, male or female, is a hammock type of muscle mm. structure. So it... It hangs onto the side of the pelvis in in the pelvis, and then attaches a little bit to the sacrum, and then attaches a little bit to the pubic area, which is the okay, front. Okay, so um, Elise, let's let's make it a little bit more graphic for patients. If we think of a pelvis, think of a bowl. Mm. 
It's a bowl-like structure. Correct. And your sacrum is the back. That's your coccyx. Mm-hmm. Um, and it m- forms a point. Um, and your pubic bone, the os pubis in the front, where the pelvis joins, um, that's the front part. So it's this bowl-like structure with um, um, almost the a hammock. C- a hammock, the hammock that, and you have to have points that the hammock uh, is fixed is fixed in. But here the hammock is fixed in four points, two of them long, two of them short. Correct. And um, what is different from the male pelvis and the female pelvis is a woman's hips are wider, her sacrum is far further away from her pubic area, and a male is narrower. Um, for the simple reason that we give c- women can give normal birth and then the fetus can easily um, expel expel from the pelvis. Males don't have the problem that females have because of the narrower, um, what's it, trachter, funnel like um, pelvis. Shape of shape a pelvis. pelvis. Also, I think, Elise, um, the natural process of childbirth is that the ligaments between the os pubis and the pelvic ramen um, stretch. Because you have dilation of the yes, uh, os pubis. Relaxation of yeah. that ligament. Yeah. And that. Induced by hormones yeah. in the birth yeah. process. And that's a, a, a big contributing factor. Correct. Um, to the problem that women have a lax pu- uh, pelvic floor. Am I correct? Correct. So why I'm bringing this up is I want Shoal to help me understand. Um, or maybe explain that that is why it's important to do an internal um, electro-muscle stimulation rather than externally on the perineum, or am I wrong? Well, I think there's there's different schools of thought in in this. Um, There are people who prefer having external stimulation done. However, that will always leave your deep muscles absent. Correct. When you have an internal stimulation, um, and there is research to prove that this this works, um, that does help stimulate the deeper muscles of the pelvic floor of this bowl um, to then function in the way that we want it to function. And if I go back to one of the points that I made earlier, this will help you to do the Kegel exercises. If you only do the EMS, it's only going to be partly successful. If you do the EMS in conjunction with all the other things that the physiotherapists and the the pelvic floor experts like yourself do, you will have probably have a better chance of success rates. Um, it's like with the knee. If you put EMS on for your quads post knee replacement, uh, you'll have success. If you do that in conjunction with your normal primal movements, rehabilitation, your squats, then, then you'll have success. The muscle stronger. Um, and it's it's almost like a cheating mechanism to achieve better, faster success. That's what I wanted to know. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay so say that again. Repeat that. It is to get better, faster. Success, and that we do through um, electrostimulation in conjunction with your pelvic floor exercises, your strengthening of muscle. Your renew shot, 
your PRP treatments, etc. Et yes. In the in the firm that I'm involved with, um, where we su- you with high tech therapy, high tech therapy, we, we supply the, through the physiotherapists. We supply um, the home use kits for for people with pelvic floor Chris, dysfunction. Do not get excited. I'm I'm sitting here agog. <laughs> we can see that. <laughs> um, you can. They they would often refer back to us and say, "But you know, I'm not getting the results that I that I need." And we then refer them to a physio or a pelvic floor specialist. That we say to them, "But you need to do it in conjunction with a specific physiological outcome or in, intended physiological outcome that would come from an exercise protocol, whether this be normal Kegel exercises or doing it in conjunction with your other rehabilitations rehabilitation exercises." Exercises, uh, squat so or a when, or when you talk about Kegel exercises, you know what? This is not just tightening of your pelvic floor while you're sitting in the car or walking around. There's, there's something that you said that for me is very important. It's a specific physiological outcome. Yes. Um, and that is what our listeners need to understand. You can go a long way. Um, in doing home exercises and keeping pelvic floors, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, strong and active, but there are certain measures that you have to do correctly, um, and if you don't get these right, you can have detrimental outcomes. Definitely, and, and that differs from patient to patient. That's why it's important to have specialists working with a patient specifically to say you need this and you need that. And it's not just a blanket approach to say everyone can do the following exercises. Because of, um, and I think this is important to mention, that the the uh, the pelvic floor muscles especially are functional muscles and not action muscles. In other words, EMS allows us to increase the IQ of the muscle so that the muscle knows what to do when. When we do Kegel exercises, the muscles are typically actioned. They do the certain contractions. It's typically when we lie flat on our back and focus on that. But the function is needed when you walking in pick and pay and you sneeze. That's where it's needed. And what the EMS does is it assists us to increase the IQ instead of just the action. I, I love that, that it's the IQ of a muscle. So Elise, how does IQ of these muscles relate to the conditions that our patients face? Well, maybe let's step back. What are the conditions that our patients present with? Um, I think I mentioned it already. Um, the biggest problem that we see in our practice is stress urinary incontinence. Um, the other problem is the overflow incontinence. Um, overflow incontinence is where the, there's laxity in the anterior wall of the vagina. The anterior wall is the one... At the top. At the top. We, or if you stand up, the face is forward. Now, um, if you get that overflow incontinence, it means that is stretched, that, that muscle is stretched out and the bladder fills up, but it doesn't empty properly. Right. And, um, that is a big concern. These patients are not aware of this condition until you tell them. Mm-hmm. Okay, t- tell me your symptoms and then you can diagnose it in that regard. Overflow incontinence, Elise, help me if I'm wrong, is associated with increased bladder infections and urinary tract infections. Sometimes, yes. Yeah. Yes, there's more neurological dysfunction with the overflow incontinence where the bladder was stretched out because of certain reasons and that's Pure bladder um, 
how can I say this? It's it's like an old bag that's been stretched. Yes. So it's, it's <laughs> no no no. But it's, it, it is that. It's a old bag. No, <laughs> it's 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 like a balloon that's yeah. been overinflated yeah. a couple of times. Correct. Correct. And you know what? Then um, it's bigger than what it's supposed to be. It's almost like um, heart failure. Um, it it equates to the same concept and and uh, um, you nodding your head so is Elise what happens with heart failure is the heart muscles have worked and worked and worked and then they start getting fatigued and they go pup and big and you know it it becomes uh, it can't contract it, it can't contract anymore yeah. and uh, because it's an overfilled bladder that that we does need to, that we need uh, to remember that the bladder is a, has, has a muscle layer as well exactly um, and this is a problem, you know, but for, for, especially younger women mm. that, um, refuse to go to public bathrooms. So, so and the they overfill and that and bladder. It stretches. It overfills the, the bladder. And the nerve sits in your right. detrusor muscle, right. which is the muscle in the bladder, okay. that d- it doesn't contract then anymore like it should and give you that sense of, I need to go to the bathroom now. Right. And this is bladder training. Yeah. You know what? When you, when you have an urge to urinate, you need to pee. So, um, if you do not, the bladder overfills its stretches and you decrease the function of a bladder. Okay, so Elise, carry on, please. Yeah, so um, that's, the, that's the main conditions that um, I think this is applicable for these type of um, conditions that we see. Uh, stress urinary incontinence as well as um, the different incontinences. We get mixed, we get stress, we get overflow, etc., etc. Uh, and that can only be treated with EMS, starting with EMS. The other thing that I add is um, I do give these patients very small Kegel balls, two of them, after our treatment. And we ask them to keep it in for two hours. They can't. They can't do that because of the laxity of the muscle. Mm. And the biggest reward for me is after three months, they come in and say, I can keep that ball in. Um, it doesn't fall out. I, I, had I want to shorten that mm. with the EMS, that period with the EMS. Treatment. We had a patient, one of our patients, is one of our biggest success stories on various levels. Um, and she came in the one day and she said to me, I was walking. So, Elise, you know Elise, you know it. She pulls out that little whip. um, And she told the patient that the patient needs to go walking with her little Kegel balls. Um, (laughs) Halfway through her walk, she realized, but the one is coming out. (laughs) So she, she had to walk behind a tree. And okay, fine. It came out and she took it out. Um, uh, it was in the shoe. At her knee. <laughs> um, but the other one stayed in. Well, that's quite good. Hold on, gets better. <laughs> and when she got home, she realised that she can't get the other ball out. <laughs> and you know what? She did some star jumps, and the ball came out. But two weeks later, yeah, she completed that walk and was able to use her pelvic floor muscles. To push both balls out. Yep. So I mean, that's th- in, in in a period of two weeks. That's that is amazing. 
That is really rude. Her stress incontinence is gone. She can play with her children outside, jump on a trampoline, run, cough, laugh, sneeze. No stress incontinence. Elise, um, Charles, how would electro-muscle stimulation help us in prolapse? Maybe, Elise, you should just... Explain to us a little bit more about the different prolapses that we have. We've got an anterior prolapse. That's where the the bladder bulges into into the vagina. Then we've got a posterior prolapse where the rectum bulges into the vagina. Then we have your uterine prolapse where the ligaments that keep the uterus in place certain anatomical position in the pelvis um, is compromised and the muscles is compromised then we get uterine uterine prolapse and or this sometimes happens um, when different prolapses happens either after childbirth one of them um, bladder bladder problems Overtraining the bladder or overfilling the bladder, constipation. Women with a lot of constipation that bear down, um, and even after some surgeries, you know, it especially after um, vaginal or abdominal hysterectomies, where we remove a structure and it leaves a void. Um, you know, it's uh, your abdominal organs will prolapse into this void. So there's certain um, surgical procedures that we do to prevent this, but it's not always fail safe. Correct. And as soon as you remove a structure, like for instance the coccyx, or you remove the uterus with its ligaments that's attached to the skeletal um, bones, then you most probably will start having a functional problem. And it's a progressive problem where different compartments in the pelvic floor will prolapse. It's so important that we differentiate that term functional. Mm. It's about the use of these muscles. It's not contracting, it's the actual use. Um, Charles, do you want to elaborate on this for us a little bit more? Yes, I think... You know, where electromuscle stimulation comes in to stimulate the muscle, obviously there's a sensory idea. The patient can feel it. There's a tingly sensation. Um, it's interesting. But one of the biggest things that we use in conjunction, especially in this industry, is EMG, as I mentioned before, which is electromyography. which That's m- mapping. <clears throat> that's measuring the action potential of the muscle. Yeah. Now, what we do, what, what the, this company has done, it's called uh, Verity Medical. They're based in the UK. And in South Africa, we supply their products. What they do is they've built biofeedback games so that the patient can lie with an internal probe and activate their muscles because it's non-voluntary muscles in or not non-voluntary, but they can't they can't activate it, and they don't know how. Whereas when they then use the probe internally, and they can activate and see on a screen how an airplane flies up or a bunny runs up a hill, then they can activate biofeedback so games. games to know when the muscle is activated. Then this actually happens. So that Chris, that do not go there. <laughs> you, 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 you know, my, mouth, my mouth was literally hanging open. <laughs> I'm. I'm Seeing Chris playing like, games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot and be a jet Chris, pilot. It does, it does show you a top score at the end, so you can. <laughs> <laughs> 
so um, that that actually links this functional idea with it because now it's not that I'm asking you to squeeze. I'm asking you to activate a muscle. You can't see it. You can't necessarily feel it. But by doing that optimally, you can see the bunny run up. And by that, we use biofeedback, which is similar to what we use in other rehabilitations, proprioceptive designs and proprioceptive outcomes. And, you know, we touched a little bit about proprioception, but I want you to explain that term to the listeners because proprioception is something that if it's gone, it's gone. You are, your, yeah. your platform that you spoke about earlier is... Uh, a raft on a, a you know yeah. very choppy waters. So the easiest way to explain it is, and I often use it in, in my patients' sake. I say to him, "You feel judged when you have a couple of tequilas and you fall all around because you lose your proprioception." Now there are people without tequilas that fall around and get judged, but they've got. And this proprioception is the ability of tendons, muscles, joints to sense their position in space. That's correct, in um, space. It, it's, it's like being completely blindfolded um, and asking someone to perform um, a one-legged uh, squat or a, just standing on one leg. Absolutely. If you close your eyes and... You have no idea of up, down, left, right. That's proprioception. It's the innate ability of a muscle to sense what's up, what's down, where's front, where's back. And we lose that. And that's what proprioception is. And it's one of the first things we lose in in an injury. Now, um, atrophy or muscle loss of the pelvic floor, whether this be after childbirth or C-section, normal birth, or after hysterectomy or... Or prostatectomy or whatever the case may be that's an injury and that's atrophy of those muscles so proprioception is the first thing that we lose but we never think of that because you can't really trip if your pelvic floor is not activated but other things happen which is embarrassing and that's where the pelvic floor specialists come in to ensure that the proprioception and once again proprioception is linked to the IQ of the muscle mm. so that we can get that right and that is in conjunction you want a healthy muscle a healthy muscle is a strong muscle a muscle with endurance the muscle to be able to contract when it's needed to relax when it's needed and to be able to action when you don't necessarily anticipate it so it's very interesting when we talk about our gym people we talk about core core strength core strength includes (laughs) includes and incredibly this is most probably where all core strength comes from is from a pelvic floor yep oh seriously yeah oh wow okay it's 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 important if if you don't if you do i mean they always taught us back in the day at rugby that when you do any movement someone should be able to punch you in your stomach that means that you don't push your stomach out which is tightening it but kind of hold it back don't hold your breath in hold in as if someone's going to punch you in your stomach that's a completely different outcome but that keeps the pelvis stable that means the 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 femurs and the knee can move optimally the back is supported and you can probably execute the movements that you want to do but that only comes with training and the pelvic floor plays a big big role it was very interesting many years ago i think it was in the 1894 world cup 95 Um, yeah Oh, 95 World Cup. Um, our our rugby team then had Pilates instructors yes. training them um, to strengthen the pelvic floors. Yeah. 
So, okay, Dirks, we we uh, we need to move over to the second part. Now, um, the tea clinic has been uh, very fortunate to be one of um, two centres um, that have been participating in. Not only a study, but the um, uh, the gathering of data surrounding electro biostimulation or bioelectrical stimulation for the re um, the rejuvenation, the replenishment of tissue, and specifically on. Um, hair loss and on erectile dysfunction. Now, it differs slightly from electro muscle stimulation, but we are still using electrical currents. Shall your expertise in electrical stimulation, whether it's muscle stimulation or whether it's biostimulation, tell us a little bit about electricity and the body. So, um, you know, in our scope, we mostly focus on, like you said, muscle stimulation. Biostimulation is not something where we often tread around with. Most contractions, no, any contraction that happens in the body happens through an amount of electricity. The more electricity, or we call it action potential, that is generated, the bigger the muscle will contract. Um, Obviously, this has certain physiological effects around it as well, um, meaning there will be an increase of increase of blood flow, which will mean there will be more oxygen to the area, there will be more nutrients to the area, which obviously has a, a, the nice word as a salutogenic, which is a healthy outcome towards that area or that muscle. We don't always, if you think of picking up. Pick the, and the body is so awesome in doing this. Your body does calculations every single day. If you pick up a cup of coffee and it's only half full, you won't overly exert and smash it into the roof. You will only need a certain amount of muscle to overcome that challenge posed. And, you know, going into a heavier movement and picking up... Uh, a child or your shopping or going into gym and overcoming the certain barriers that we need to do, we expose the muscles to various outcomes so we can get the physiological outcomes. Now, electromuscle stimulation kind of cheats this for us because I can focus on the right muscle. I can focus on the whole muscle to, to, share, to, to make sure that other joints aren't compromised or that other pathologies like arthritis or osteoporosis aren't compromised or, or increased. But to answer your question in short, if we, can, if we can bypass the body's normal way of using electricity to stimulate a muscle, we can choose whatever muscle type or muscle fiber we want to have activated in movements that it is not necessarily even shouldn't be active. Okay. So we in the T clinic deal a lot with electro, uh, erectile dysfunction. Um, and there's a brilliant physiotherapist, actually, a Dr. Carboni, who practices in Brazil, that did a beautiful, beautiful piece of scientific work um, on electrostimul bioelectrical stimulation. And we know that the body works a lot with bioelectricity. Mm -hmm. And it's literally just 
the the exchange of electrons and through bioelectrical stimulation we mimic the body or activate body certain cells in the body at certain frequencies not only to regenerate but to replenish and start replicating we use it in erectile dysfunction for specific uses and one of the things that we spoke about earlier was the smooth muscle mm. now smooth muscle sits around all blood vessels right. it's what gives blood vessels the ability to contract or dilate which is important in the management of our blood pressure so all of us want the most or the biggest capacity of volume of blood flow into certain organs, certain systems at specific times. For instance, if we are cold, what the body will do is it will contract these muscles around blood vessels, shunting the blood to vital organs, the heart, the brain, the liver, um, the kidneys. When we are hot, what blood vessels will do is they will dilate peripherally in the skin, in your head, so that there's more blood flow to the extremities so that the heat can radiate out and we cool down the internal organs. Exactly the same happens in Erections, And I always say to my male patients that erectile functioning, the plumbing of erections, is has everything to do with blood flow. And at least, at least I think it's the same in women. You know what? It's that blood flow to the clitoris. It's the blood flow to the labia that, that would stimulate a flushing, a fullness, a sensation. Um, Testosterone plays very, very little role in getting an erection. That's yes. all blood flow. Maintaining the erection is all about blood flowing both in and out of this organ. And that's where we use bioelectrical stimulation. Now, not only is this um, a incredibly new breakthrough procedure that we are um, taking eventually to the market to replace things like your over-the-counter drugs because let's be honest in South Africa they're much cheaper than in Europe mm. or in the States mm. uh, um, Viagra Cialis are expensive medications um, in the States and in Europe in South Africa they're actually quite cheap they're very affordable here yeah in comparison but there are a lot of people that battle with erectile dysfunction that can't afford these medications so bioelectrical stimulation is seen in the future as an alternative to this and we use it in our practice with great effect um, not only do our patients report the ability to get 
stronger erections maintain them for a longer period of time. But it's almost, and I liked what you said earlier, the IQ of the muscles. The muscle knows what to do and they can control it. It's that sensory sense that I want to get an erection. This is the stimulus. Um, and I, they can get them at will. I have a, um, a patient that recently had an injury. Um, he's in his sixties. Yes. Um, correct, Elise. Um, yes. um, and he was incontinent as well. Um, he said to us after having a combination of platelet-rich plasma therapies, our ED shot, and electrostimulation, um, that he feels like he's in his twenties. He can get an erection at will, sitting in his car. Sure, at sixty. That's more than 60. More than 60. I mean, that's, that's good going. Um, and I had an email from a patient, and I think I forwarded it on to you guys last night, uh, a patient that had two sessions with Dante um, and immediately said, you know what, my, my erections are stronger. So usually um, in our practice when it comes to bioelectrical stimulation, um, the prescribed protocol is two sessions per week for a period of four weeks. Um, that was the scientific protocol. Now we've expanded on these protocols and we've added and, uh, you know, adjusted them. Um, I'm sure that, shall in what you guys do with electromuscle stimulation, there's also protocols that we use. Um. Yeah, I don't think it's it's something in South Africa. It, it hasn't been used very often, especially in the male in the male industry. Um, I know there are physiotherapists who specialize specifically in in doing this. Um, it's usually the normal devices that we supply for the for the women's health um, that they uh, you know kind of carry over to the to the men that men's health side of it. Um, like I mentioned, I'm not as much clued up on the on the biostimulation than I am on the on the electromuscle stimulation. Mm. But um, Elise, this is somewhere where you will come in uh, more because you've used these devices, you've used it on your patients. Um, I think the idea for us around pelvic um, floor stimulation it's it's an old one but we really cottoned on to it when we had a patient that um had a spinal abscess mm. and became paralyzed not only did the um, paralysis lead to incontinence but it led to erectile dysfunction and we started treating him for erectile dysfunction he made a phenomenal um, recovery on the erectile functioning side but then started reporting to us that his incontinence was starting to improve and we used bioelectrical stimulation to treat the perineum um, Correct. He, um, he had to catheterize himself every single to time to empty his bladder, and then oh. one day, I think he had four, five, or six treatments with the um, electrobiostimulation. It was actually after his first one on the perineal floor. No, no, no. Later on, okay, he came out of the bathroom and said, "This is the first time that I could properly." Empty my bladder without catheterizing myself. Sure, I mean that—that's that's amazing. Yeah. So you know, but there's so many men 
out there that either had um, brachytherapy um, for prostate cancer or radical prostatectomies um, or colon procedures where those nerves are damaged. But that's what I wanted to ask, especially around a prostatectomy or that sort of thing. Would this would this assist in in stimu- helping the stimulus because a lot of those those nerves get damaged in the, in those procedures? So, Chris, yes, and I saw that Charles and Elise both nodded it their heads. It will not cure. I was it just will not say, cure. That's why I said the word assist. assist. But cure. you remember we had a while ago we had um, one of the people that that has. Um, Joined forces with us in the practice, Yvonne van Beek, talk about neuroplasticity. Yes. And once we spoke about neuroplasticity, when I treat my patients for erectile dysfunction, there's a disconnect, and shall Elise uh, interject here, there's a disconnect between neurological functioning and the actual muscle. So when we rehabilitate this, we not only work on muscle, muscle contraction, muscle functioning, but we also have to work on the neurological, sensory side, the motor side. You know, but motor being the functional side, sensing the sense of a muscle. And here I work with my patients and I say to them, take different Objects, different textures, different temperatures, and expose the head of a penis to that because not only do we want to bring the sensation back um, to that, but you have to train the brain, and this is where neuroplasticity comes in. We have to train the brain to um, realize and actualize and um, be aware that I'm feeling something cold. I'm feeling something smooth. I'm feeling something rough. Um, you know, there's different sensations. And when, when your penis is aware of this, it reacts better. It's exactly what you said with muscles and joints. If I'm aware of there's a slight incline or um, an instability, I have to bring different muscles in to stabilize this. Mm. Um, you know, the functioning is better. And Elise, it's exactly the same with you. You always tell your patients, love yourself, which means go and go and explore, explore, and make make. Sense of what you are feeling Experience Not only the physical sensation But the mental sensation I love the fact that We have visual aids Mm -hmm. To help us um, I'm flying that plane as we speak (laughs) (laughs) Leave your joystick At least it doesn't play with a rabbit <laughs> some, some, somehow I'm thinking about Glenn Close boiling around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. I think what's important, if I may, is that we need to tell the public out there we don't use only one modality to treat mm. mm-hmm. different conditions. We really assess 
and decide, okay, this is what you need, and we have different modalities so that we combine. For instance, the platelet-rich plasma, the bioelectrical stimulation, the EMS system, the hormone Kegel, replacement hormone therapy, replacement therapy, the Kegel it's exercises. It's a holistic approach. Mm. The neuroplasticity. There's so many different things that we can help you with if you need have a need for that. Last week we unfortunately had a rebroadcast of one of our shows because of COVID. The week before that we had a phenomenal talk about the six different modalities um, that we use in the T clinic to treat erectile dysfunction. Yes, exactly. Um, it's and this is where Elise is heading. You know what your GP your uh, urologist, your gynecologist will be able to give you one or two of these modalities to use as a specialist practice. Um, and there are some of us out there. Um, I, I do not know all of them. Um, but as a specialist practice, we combine all the known modalities um to give you the best possible outcome. It's an athlete that just trains endurance training, strength training, um, f- performance, uh, you know, uh, their sprints, their starts, their finish, how to go over the line. That's what a specialist practice does. Um, Shaw, um, Thank you. You know what? I think this field is vast. It has so many applications for so many people. How do we get hold of you? Except through the T-Clinic, you with high-tech systems? High-tech high therapy. High-tech therapy is the biggest supplier of clinical devices. Is, well, not the biggest, probably one of the biggest. Of clinical devices to the physio, chiropractic, biokinetics, occupational industry. Um, we've got branches all over South Africa. Um, we've got a, we're, we're available online. There's a mobile app. And we try to supply, you know, and maybe it's, it's good to put it out there to say, um, I think in this field especially, uh, people need to take accountability for 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 their own um, pathologies. They've got the authorities like you guys, you know, in the in the T clinic that could lead them in the right way. But taking the accountability and saying, "Listen, I actually am going to address this," you know, whether it's post surgery, um, we see it with people with lower back injuries or shoulders that they've got numb fingers, and so for some reason they take accountability for the fact that they can't feel in their hand or they can't feel in their foot or they've got a drop foot. Yet, with with when it comes to sexual health, there's no accountability. It's as mm. if once a scam over. Yeah, and it comes with age, which exactly. is, is totally, totally skewed. So um, we try to we. Try Try to be to work through the professional, through the 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 specialists, the physiotherapists, to supply the right things to the the clients, so that they can use it with the, with your professional knowledge at home. Okay, so uh, I have one minute to wrap up for erectile dysfunction, stress incontinence, um, urinary incontinence, bladder prolapse, the are modalities for sexual health, male and female. We have modalities, thank you, Cecilia. We have modalities that can help you make the problem a little bit yes. less severe. 
contact us. Um, you can get hold of us uh, on the Renew Her or T Clinic websites. Um, otherwise, by Dr. Mark Schall. Thank you. Next week, we're talking genetics with Dr. Sly Nedich. Fantastic. I love that. You'll for find every- out that I've got blue blood. For everyone out there, <laughs> um, please stay safe in this time. Stay home, sanitize, wear your mask, um, and let's pray. This goes over. Um, we get through this unscathed. Thank Absol- you. Absolutely. And I just also want to say, Mark, that even if you're not in Johannesburg or if uh, you're worried about COVID, you can always get hold of the tea clinic and there will be a way of ha- having a consultation. They can work through We do stuff, remotely. Remote yes. consultation. So don't feel bad if you're not in Johannesburg. You can still get hold of the tea clinic. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Thank you, you, Chris. Cheers, everybody. Bye. (laughs) This has been the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Avon Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. For more information, contact admin at theteaclinic.com.